Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't been playing a ton of Magic. And this podcast is going to be weird. I considered, well, we considered doing basically another outrage episode. We may or may not get there. <laughs> well, um, I think the general trend is people are getting sick of us being outraged, which is understandable because I'm pretty sick of being outraged. So I, I am trying to stay away from that. I don't know that this is so much a, a positive show, but it's one where we're going to focus on magic cards, at least to start with. And then we can see where see where our train of thought takes us, see what other topics we want to delve into. You know what I noticed is that the vast majority of the negative feedback I get about our content comes from YouTube. And it's so funny because we don't even do anything on YouTube anymore. All we do is just post the podcast over there. But the comment section on YouTube is like 99.9% of the mean things that people have said to me about my content over the last year. God, do I need to go read YouTube comments? No, like, no, I know that, don't do that. Don't I know do that. that's a rule, right? But so like, since we haven't been doing things on YouTube outside of just reposting the podcast, I haven't really had a reason to go venture over there. You know right. what I mean? Well, so that's I, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of just forgot that the comment section existed. So like, how did you end up over there? Because uh, I hate myself mostly. Word. And I, I need to make sure I know all the mean things people say about me. Um. And, you know, that's one of the reasons you and I weren't super comfortable with the YouTube platform is we were seeing uh, a lot of that. But I, the reason we still continue to do it, honestly, is just because some people were like, hey, uh, the filter blocks Spotify or whatever at my work, but I can still get on YouTube and listen to you that way. Right. So if the podcast is there, it helps me out. And which, that, that which doesn't make any sense, right? No, no. I mean, look, trying to understand a work environment and yeah. the way they structure their <laughs> their filters is not going to lead to any kind of reason. Um, but I, I knew I know it works for some people and I am happy to provide that and, and keep things easy for them uh, and then just have people occasionally yell at me over there too, to just really keep me in check. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely had a fair amount of people who are like, why aren't you on Podbean or Stitcher or whatever? It's like, I've never heard of these, but OK, sure. You know, I'll look into it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of what we're doing for YouTube too. If that's the case though, why don't we just turn off comments? Well, that's a good question. Uh, we, we certainly could do that. I mean, that's really bad. If you care about these things, turning off comment is like horrible for your algorithm engagement. So I think, I think the answer to that was that at some point we were trying to build a YouTube channel. Obviously our goals have shifted away from that, but we just didn't really adjust to uh, stop allowing comments, but but we could do that. that. That sounds good. Just outlaw all criticism of us. You have to like the Arena Decklist podcast, or you are no, not allowed to speak to us. That's that's not what I'm saying. No, that's like, what I'm saying. That, that's my policy personally. I'm down with criticism. Uh, I'm kind of curious to hear about the folks who don't like the outrage. At least if they haven't come from YouTube. Well, if it, if it's so, like so let's talk about it here. It. I, I like talking about it here because I think it's it's interesting. I, I think. Uh, because there is a good point and what these people, uh, there seemed to be a trend of like, do you guys even like magic anymore? Uh, because you seem so upset about it. And I would respond to that with, I don't like magic. I love magic, which is why yep. I'm so upset about it. Like, yep. I, I want things to be good. I want things to be better. And uh, I, I can identify a lot of things that are not at the moment. And I feel 
to just silently accept those things, like regardless of how impotent my outrage may be and whether it's affecting anything or not, it, it would crush me to just pretend like everything is okay. Like that's, that's not who I want to be. I want to be forthright and honest. And, uh, you know, even in moments where I'm, I'm not in love with the way things are going, I am still thinking about magic. I'm still caring about magic. I'm, st- I'm thinking about how magic can get better. And also, this is something I discussed over on Twitter. Uh, like we do this for a living. And that's not to say I am, I am just here for a paycheck. But if you're going to be able to make the content when things are good and you're excited about it, you have to keep doing it when things are bad. Like you, you don't get to just stop because you're not super interested. And, you know, I think that's going to be reflected in our work sometimes. Could we do a better job of maybe not letting it get to us so much? I think so. I, th- I think that's a fair criticism, actually, and something I'm trying uh, to take to heart. But I, I don't think the response is just like, oh, you guys must hate magic. Why don't you go do something else? Because we want magic to get better. And because this is what we do we have devoted our lives to this thing and we're going to be here making content through the hard times and then we're going to get back to good times at some point and we'll make the content in those eras too we got to keep it real though you know if i I agree if things are bad i am not going to act like they aren't because that is not fair to our audience and i I couldn't agree more i think that yeah maybe we could present it better or like we can speak about it in a way that is firm or disappointed and maybe not necessarily lean into outrage or whatever. And like, we haven't done that very often. I think that there, you know, like handful of casts where we're actually just mad. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. obviously people are going to comment on the most recent thing because that is what they remember, et cetera, et cetera, but whatever. Uh, so yeah, I am going to keep it real for, you know, now and the foreseeable future, of course. Uh, but yeah, presentation matters for sure. Yeah, something to think about. Um, trying to think if there's any other outrage directed towards us that I could share with you. That, that, that was the only recent thing. I, I think some of the other stuff goes back a while and uh, it's rare. I mean, I, I think we have a very uh, appreciative fan base on the whole, but and are those comments from like YouTube robots or are they from actual human beings? They seem to be from real humans. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how these humans find the podcast because it's kind of weird a a lot of times they seem to be users who are just like finding us for the first few times or aren't really familiar with us because you know saying something to us like do you guys like magic i think our long-term listeners know the answer to that okay yeah i mean there's a big difference in the question if it's like do you guys even like magic or do you like magic anymore right because if you say the anymore, then you're kind of demonstrating that you have a history with us and our sure. content, right? Sure. No, that's that's a fair point. And it may have been phrased that way, honestly. So I don't I don't want to discount that possibility. Um, I don't know. I, I just find this stuff interesting to talk about because I have a very um I don't know, I don't know what the right word is fluctuating relationship with content creation. And I I think a, a lot about the psychology of being a content creator and uh, how 
how I present myself as a content creator and and how my content has changed over time. And all, all this stuff is things I think about. I like thinking about things on a macro scale and, you know, what it means to produce magic content for now. Uh, I mean, full time, I've been doing this about three and a half years as my only gig. And I was doing it before that point as like a side gig. So I'm, I'm probably like five years deep. That's a long run, I think, in this field. I, I don't feel like a veteran. I feel like I started, you know, and maybe that's just because I work with you, who actually has been doing this maybe longer than, you know, almost anyone in the game at this point. Um, but it, the relationship definitely evolves over time. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know. I look at you as a content creator going further back than that because you're on like, you know, the occasional podcast or whatever, a decent amount of the time. I think mm -hmm. so. Yeah, you were certainly not uh, making big bucks or anything. But, no. you know, no. you you were you were involved in like honing your craft and all that stuff like way back. So learning, trying to learn, trying, trying to see how it was done. And uh, I think still learning, still trying to figure more stuff out and figure out how to do the best job in a weird time. And my relationship with magic has certainly changed. I think all of our relationship with magic has changed, uh, whether by choice or not with the pandemic, like that shifted everything for so many of us. And we've all had to adapt through that. And uh, it's interesting to think about how we've been adapting. Yeah, I mean, we had a short conversation before the cast about how to potentially adapt in all of this stuff. And mm -hmm. I have some ideas, but it's different than what we are used to doing, which makes it difficult. It is. It is learning whole new skill sets. And I, I, I think that is mirrored in so many uh, aspects of society right now where we're just all learning to work differently, to do different things. And, uh, you know, I, I will just say I appreciate the people who are still with us as we go through that learning process. Yeah. So semi outrage time. You ready? Number semi -outrage, one. Semi outrage, half outrage. Let's do it. Uh, so in this case, we are going to talk about brainstorm being suspended in historic. Now, this is a thing that I'm not really outraged out against. I'm just kind of like, yes, obviously. and disappointed that things played out this way i suppose so brainstorm gets suspended in historic this is kind of coming off the heels of time warp just getting outright banned and it was like wow everyone's playing blue decks and like you know maybe the win rates of some of them are very good the win rates of some other stuff that people play like is it phoenix kind of like hovers around 50 percent and uh they decided to get rid of time warp and now with the brainstorm suspension, they're citing some win rates from like Jeskai Control, Is It Phoenix, where this is kind of similar to the Marvel ban, where they're just like, it's not even doing that well, but y'all complain a lot, so we're gonna get rid of it. I I can't fathom the thinking that would first of all make you think brainstorm would be okay in the format. Second of all, not allow you to see the warping effect it has had on what the format is about uh what is viable how the format is played it, it it has just fundamentally changed everything and to cite win rates as like oh this isn't that good look you're using arena ladder win rates and this is this is not going to be a particularly like pleasant thing for some people to hear but 
I, I think it's worth sharing anyway. The competition on Arena is really bad. And I, I don't just mean at like lower levels. I, I mean like mythic level competition. It's it's not that good in comparison to things like pr- the old Pro Tour competition or even like day two of a GP. The, the, the mythic ladder just doesn't track to those things. And relying on win rates from there, it's like, yes, but you have a system which is abusable by volume. We talked at length about how there's this entire, you know, pairing algorithm that is designed to, if you use worse cards, put you against people who are also using worse cards. And if you lose a bunch in the beginning of the season, you get to like free roll into the late part of the season. And it, it's just broken. It, it's not a real reflection of the quality of magic being played, but you could talk to anyone who knows anything about historic and ask them if brainstorm is having an outsized effect on the format. And is it the best card in the format? And the answer was a resounding. Yes. It, it was incontrovertible and it was also obvious it was going to be that way from the very beginning. So I, I don't understand the tone that accompanied this announcement. I'll say that. Yeah. And maybe I'm reading too much into it because obviously we're, just expecting the worst from wizards at this point. Sure. But I really, you know, trying to take a step back and uh, look at this announcement holistically. I can't really see much else other than like, we don't think it's a problem, but you know, we're going to get rid of you or rid of it. You're welcome. And yeah, uh, there's also weird contrasts too with like, Oh, time warp was a problem because there was X copies, but there was like 31 copies of Brainstorm in a top eight. And for some reason, that's not a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's just like, well, yeah, but it's like the enabler or whatever. So it doesn't look that bad versus like there being a bunch of Okos or Uros or something right. like that. You know, they're just like, well, you know, these decks are like built around this card and like they cast this card and it helps them win the game. Um, but then it's just like, well, yeah, like a lot of people play Steam Vents. We're not going to ban Steam. Yeah. It's like, that's not, it's not the same thing. Brainstorm, Brainstorm is, you know, the engine, right? It is the only reason why these decks are like showing up a ton and winning a bunch. It's just like adding infinite consistency to everything, which the rest of the format doesn't have. Like for a while, it was like, oh man, Black has Thoughtseize and Fatal Push and like no other color comes close to having this amount of early interaction and now blue has like all all this card drawing and uh you know really good really powerful cards like memory lapse and mm. the other colors don't really have that and it's just like we need things to get balanced out and then maybe you could try doing this but like i really recommend against giving like one color a bunch of tools and then just ignoring the others you know right yeah i, I mean you could have taken the shot and like let swords to plowshares and lightning bolt through and may I'm, I'm not saying you should have done that but if you were going to, if you were that convinced that you have to do brainstorm it's like you have to let other power through too you can't just let brainstorm come and w- we talked after the time warp ban that you can do this you can go after time warp but we're going to be back here in a, in a few months as you go after the next thing and that is was always going to be the problem with brainstorm so the the I want to get to the distinction between a suspension and a banning with like some text that accompanied Mitt that accompanied the suspension suggesting that, Oh, we'll look for a point in the future where maybe brainstorm could 
come back. What does that point look like? Like what changes where this is not a good idea now, but it will be in the future? Well, I I like how I'll just read this sentence. While our most recent actions in historic have been banned, such as those for Time Warp and Thassa's Oracle, those were cases where we had clear and convincing data showing the cards were problematic. In this case, the data is less clear, and that is exactly where we prefer to utilize suspension. First of all, <laughs> that that sentence isn't really correct, right? Like, you're making assumptions that Time Warp was the correct thing to remove in the format in the first place. Right. Which, you know, Sure, fine. I, that was definitely one of the cards where we were like, this is going to cause problems, right? But I feel like you could have removed Brainstorm at that point. And you could have made a very strong case for Brainstorm being the problem. Yes. So that doesn't mean that Brainstorm is a card that you suspend instead of ban. But it's like, yeah, fine. I, I like Brainstorm. I like casting it. I think it's, you know, really bad for long-term health of formats that it exists in. Um, but you know what? Everything is such a giant shit show at this point, man. If they if they want to at some point down the line, uh, unsuspend brainstorm and let me cast it again. Cool, sure, whatever. I guess we're we're just doing these things now, right? It seemed that way. I mean, it seemed like all bets were off, and we're just letting the format go to nonsense but it's like this half it's this half measure like you they don't commit to any vision or any idea for what historic is supposed to be and also i I don't know what to make of this but it's become kind of infamous now i i know you're a fan of the resleevables podcast and half of it half of the podcast which half is that I, I think when I say that, people are like, ooh, does he like Cedric or does he like Peace Elliot? And I, I, I just mean the first half of the podcast. Oh, okay. When they're talking about like the olden time, because, you know, I was around for all that stuff. Got it. Cedric and Peace Elliot are both gas. But like, you know, giving grades to like cards in the set, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. So. I still usually listen to all of it for whatever that's worth, but I'm lazy. On on the Resleevables, Peace Elliot finds out. That yeah. brainstorm oh, is this, legal in his this was this was good. This was money. And just cackles himself to death because it's it's unbelievable. But here's the here's the question I have to ask. Uh Peace Sully works at Wizards and like has 20 X years of experience with magic and uh is a veteran game designer and that seems to me like exactly the type of person who you would check in for some feedback. I mean, every, everyone's got different job descriptions. I don't know exactly what Patrick's job is at Wizards at this point. I think he has maybe gone through a, a couple jobs at this point. Um, but it, it, it certainly seems like you could check in with him, right? And like, you, so you up. could, you could, or you could make the assumption that you know what you're doing and, you know, you have a team that knows what they're doing, whatever. And Patrick is also one of those people where it's like, yeah, does does he know about like organized play and does he know about like this format and th- this format? Yeah. But can you loop him in on everything? Nah, like you got to draw the line somewhere. Right. And sure. I think like him just sticking to doing his job is like also pretty valuable. Just spending I, I more of his bandwidth on that versus I like. Agree. Hey man, should we put brainstorm in historic or demonic tutor or whatever? You know, it's like- I, 
I can't refute that, but l- look at the level of response, right? It's it's one thing if like his response is, huh, I'm not sure about brainstorm. Uh, seems like it, it could be a little dicey, but where it's just minutes of cackling that shows how far off the mark this decision was in the first place. And um, when you're going that hard, you're you're changing the history of this new nascent format, which is a pillar of your go-to enterprise right now. I, I mean, I have to think they still view Arena in that way. And this is 50% of all constructed play that's going to happen. I mean, I mean, obviously there's like, you know, I don't know what the breakdown is between standard and historic, but this is a large percentage of the play that's going to happen on your platform. It's big to have a vision for this thing. It, it matters a lot. and. This is, again, it represents a fundamental shift when you choose to include Brainstorm in your format. And it just seems like it's all kind of thrown together and we'll see what works. And I just wish there was a little bit more care. And I also wish I could have some of my wild cards back because the ripple effects when you ban stuff in Historic, are they're huge. They, they change everything. And I do think the format is, well, the format's kind of changed. We could talk about that in a little bit too, uh, if we're done with brainstorm. Whenever you're done with brainstorm, to improve format diversity, brainstorm is suspended in historic. Yeah. Okay. Not so. Not because it's busted. Anyway. So the best brainstorm deck right now, based on data that I've seen, based on win rates. Okay. Okay. Hold on. You can't make a claim. You, you that- can't bash data and then use data. Pretty much. Okay, fair. That's fair criticism. I, uh, I think I think that you can bring it up independently. That's fine. But I would not base your argument on okay. that data. Based on my play, based on what I've experienced, good case that is it Phoenix is the best deck in the format prior to this Brainstorm ban. Now, we're done with Brainstorm. It's gone. I think there's a good case that is it Phoenix is still the best deck in the format. Do you want to know why? Because when you introduce Brainstorm, you introduce another card where we were like, oh, I don't know about this. It seems like you're going to create an engine and you can go at the cards around the engine. But at some point, you're going to have to address this engine, which is too powerful for modern. And that is, of course, Faithless Looting, which is still here. And now this gets to be the pillar of the format and is it a little bit more narrow yes. than brainstorm sure absolutely it, it does more narrow things but as long as this thing is present it's going to fuel the best things in the format and is it phoenix is right up there still doing its thing it exists in modern just fine without brainstorm you're going to play some worse cantrips but the deck is still going to do its thing consistently and it has a game plan that's good against everyone ish it's picked up powerful cards things like expressive iteration when it needs that um you know there's there's a whole new set of removal spells the deck is able to use that it didn't have access to before so it just keeps getting better and better and it plays that style of consistent semi-proactive game plan which is really really strong uh in the hands of experienced players and that they default to a lot of the times because it does give you that level of consistency you want to know the funny thing to me What's is that? that if Jeskai Control and Is It Phoenix are the two biggest decks, 
and they get rid of Brainstorm, which you, was you, you killed one for sure, which which was far more of a help to Just Guy than it was to Phoenix because yep. Phoenix uses looting as a brainstorm effectively and uses it very well. Better brainstorm in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, what I think would be hilarious would be for Phoenix to just cannibalize all the Just Guy shares in the metagame. You know, like say it was like. 20% Jeskai and like 15% Phoenix. Well, now it's just like 35 or 40% Phoenix. I think that mm-hmm. would be hilarious. I think you might get your wish. I, I have some concerns about, again, the vision for the format that this band presents. I, I don't think that it's going to happen because almost regardless of how powerful or well-positioned Jeskai was in the metagame, there were always people playing it. And mm-hmm. I get that. Like the blue cards are all pretty awesome. And then you had things like lightning helix to encourage splashing and the man is not heinous or anything like it's definitely doable. So there's, there's really like, if you want to play control, there are very few downsides to being like, Oh, I can just, you know, sleeve up Jeskai cards and do okay. Right. So I, maybe, maybe it shifts the other way and it's like 25% Phoenix, 10% Jeskai control or something like that. Um, but I, I think that it would be hilarious if, Phoenix did just cannibalize that market share. And I think that that is like something that you need to take into account when you're like, well, in the interest of format diversity, we're getting rid of brainstorm. And it's like, well, does, does that actually help? Right? Like people are playing brainstorm a lot. And if we get rid of it, what actually happens? And Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's as simple as like, Oh, people play blue decks less, you know, because looting still exists and is fueling Phoenix. You bring up a really interesting point. I feel like maybe this is rose-colored glasses. I'm interested to hear your opinion. I feel like when we used to talk bands uh, going back uh, probably five, six years ago, when bands were like on the table but not omnipresent the way they are now. In in case of fire, break glass. You know? Yes, yes, in case of emergency. I feel like the way we thought about it was with these type of ripple effects like okay if this happens what is the next thing to go on and maybe there's some really good evidence of this type of decision making uh, affecting the band process when you look back at rampaging ferocidon which is a card that i i think very much when it was banned everyone scratched their head and it didn't make any sense but it was trying to show some foresight and trying to predict what the next thing to go on in the metagame would be yeah and i think ultimately really benefited that format it seemed strange at the time but i came around to the idea and as it was presented it made sense to me i, I thought it was kind of a, a really smart ban uh I don't think that's happening anymore, or at least that's not the way the discussion is framed these days. It's just like, this card is broken, get rid of it. And that's the end of it. That's as far as we go. And to well, be fair, to be fair, the problems are way more about just raw power, right? In, in standard, yes. But you can literally see what you're talking about in the instance of the time warp ban, right? Because they're like, oh, time warp's a problem, get rid of it. And then it's everyone was just like, uh, really? Like they're they're still brainstorm, right? And then I don't even was it like a month ago that that happened or something? And now they're already like, yeah, okay, fine, brainstorm's gone too. And it's like if you just sat there and thought about it, right? 
ask yeah. ask P. Sully, <laughs> right? <laughs> to just shoot him an email. It, it does seem like a little bit of the foresight is missing, especially when it comes to historic, which is this fly by the seat of your pants type format, uh, which I've enjoyed. I'm I'm sick of my wild cards being incinerated, though, and I, I mean, I'm such a sucker. I, I say these things, and they they just keep getting more of my money. I bought so Bus- many foils this week. Business I, I, expense, dude. In the case of yeah. like buying the historic cards and like getting yeah. the reps in, it's like we have to do it for the content. And like, I don't know. I also did because it, it was fun, right? Like, I I'm right. not gonna lie. I played a lot of historic. Uh, right. Right now, I'm enjoying modern a lot still, but. Definitely when the archive stuff dropped, I'm like, this is horrible for the format, but like, let's go. You know? Yeah, let's have a few good weeks. For sure. I remember feeling the exact same way. Yeah, I mean, stop, um, I, not stop buying foils, but like, um, maybe curb that a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, you and you and Janelle should have a talk. I think you could get on the same page <laughs> about, about that particular. I think we're already there, man. I, yeah. I think we, we're just like psychically linked at least in yeah. that regard, you know? Well, you you are probably the two humans on this planet who suffered the most time with me. So it makes sense that eventually you guys would align on some very clear things. Like, dude, Brian, just just finish your TV show, man. Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, she has she has that one all the time. She just abandons me at this point. She knows. She knows I'm not coming back for it. She's just like, ah, I'm just going to finish it. And I, yep, go ahead. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, you're never going to be mad, which is good. Like, you're... You're at that place of mutual understanding in the relationship. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking back to like uh, my college roommates when like we shared our our dorms together and I had an ex-girlfriend who came and she she went to a different college and she came. She stayed with us for a while and she's like. I don't understand how you guys get along with each other. It, It just seems like you don't care about anyone's feelings. Nobody looks out for it each other there's no rules and yet you guys all love each other and there's no problems ever and i explained to her it was because we worked on a system of mutual disrespect where you just disrespected everyone all the time and you could do whatever you wanted but they could do it too and it all kind of balanced out in the end and we all just loved each other and accepted each other for these weird things we all did Uh, and it, it made for a good living situation like I get how that works. I understand it. That is terrifying to me. I hate that. Oh, look, it had long term psychological repercussions and made it very difficult to be in that situation for a long time. But also we're like stupid college kids. Most of the time we're just like drinking and playing video games anyway. I certainly weren't like studying or going to classes or anything like that, because yeah. who would do that in college? Um, so, so it, it worked in that moment as a long-term plan. No, do not do that. It's, it's not healthy for sure. Well, uh, I think it, it's probably important to point out to you that like when the archive stuff dropped and obviously we had our reservations with what does this mean for how y'all feel about historic and like what's going to happen to historic in the future, and once we came to that conclusion of like, oh, it's just messed up. Then we we said like, OK, let's just like embrace mm-hmm. the messed upness of it. Right. And we certainly knew that the mystical archive was going to lead to some bannings at some point, And now we're seeing the first iterations of that. And I, I, I don't know, just I'm, I feel like I'm reliving this. Right. And that I shouldn't be where I'm having all of these 
same reactions again. Like, really, you're putting Brainstorm in the format, and then, like, they, they get rid of it. I'm just like, oh, really? Like, now you're removing Brainstorm from the format? It's <laughs> right. like, dude, just shut up. Yeah. What is wrong with you? And yeah. so, so okay, they, they got rid of it. That is a net good thing. Criticisms aside, uh, th- this, is, this is good, right? For long-term health of the format, they said they might bring it back. Don't do that. But for, for where we are now, this is still like baby steps, right? It's like format needs some more cards, some new strategies get, need to get juiced a little bit. Uh, maybe looting will have to go at some point. Like we'll have to see whatever, but like it's, it's getting closer to not as much of a shit show as it was when the archive first came out. So cool. Yes, slow, steady process towards normalcy. I, I I do have concerns about what baseline normalcy looks like, though. Too like we, we, we passed mystical that archive. We, we passed that point. Okay, we just can't deal with that anymore. I I think it it doesn't benefit it, us at all to harp on that because that ship is sailed, man. It's it's sunk cost, right? Okay. Okay, I'm I'm trying to think how I can still lobby for a, a cat oven ban in the format, despite the fact that like all bets are off and everything's nonsense. Well, okay, so you do that, and then it's like, okay, well now this Arcanist deck is the best thing, or what you know, like the if you think about the ramifications and like the cascading effects, then you're gonna have to just ban a ton of stuff, probably. Right. Right. But that's that's why I think the cat oven argument is actually good and stands on its own, because it is very much rooted in the play experience as much as it's rooted in the this deck has an outsized win rate. And I, I think that's in a lot of ways when you're dealing with the arena crowd more important. I mean, we were here last week talking about the standard 22 ban. Uh, the book of exalted deeds and both being like, yeah, this is a good band. This makes sense with no knowledge of how good that deck actually is and how much it matters. Just like, especially when it comes to arena, there's going to be some things when you treat it like a video game that you have to adjust to. And I think the video game experience derived from cat oven is a problematic part of the format. Okay. You ban, you ban book. You're, you're one and done. Most likely, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Very, very clean. Uh, very early in the stages of the format's inception. Cool. It's over and done with. Just tear the band-aid off. For this, and we again, we're seeing it, right? Like you get rid of time warp, then you have to get rid of brainstorm, and then they'll have to get rid of something else. And it just keeps going on and on. And I I agree, like cat oven should not be in the format, but then you have to ask the question, like, what do you want the format to look like? And what I want the format to look like is like mm, minus 20 of the cards that existed. Right. So if you're like, I want to ban Cat Oven. OK, so say they do that. Are you going to be happy, Brian? No, because the format's still messed up. <laughs> well, I, I mean, trying to make me happy is a, a long term failing proposition. I think there will always be something I could bring back to the table. But is there somebody you can make happy? Maybe. I don't know. But I, I feel like when when you approach bannings like this, where it's like, oh, just every couple of weeks something gets banned, you know, that sucks. Versus yeah. like, all right, we've decided what we want the format to look like. These are probably going to be like the best things to be doing in the format. Everything else, get out of here. We're banning like five cards or ten cards. That initially is a shock to a lot of folks, but then eventually things recover versus like 
well, I ban Time Warp. Okay, well, then I'll just build Phoenix. Okay, well, I ban Brainstorm. And obviously Phoenix is still good, but, you know, then you're just like, oh, okay, I'll build food. And then they're like, well, ban Cat Oven. And it's just like, damn it. Why do you keep <laughs> doing this to me, right? Enough. This is enough. And it, whereas if you just ban all the stuff at one time, that person's never going to like build each new best deck down the line and just get hosed every time, which... Yeah you know, in, in the short term, it's probably like a good business decision for them, right? Is to just do it one at a time, but like... Yeah, I, I don't think that's motivating them. It's like, not, it, it's not. It, it does it's work too, out in their favor, but... It, it's too it, small time. But yes, very it, much small ball. It is, it's funny to look at it like that. I mean, I guess like they do push for short-term revenue game gains in favor of like longevity. Oh, but but that's, that's so small though. It, is, like, it is smaller than that, I agree. Yeah, individual wild card uh receipts I, I can't imagine that's actually influencing the discussion well, all that much you know i mean i dude, i don't have that many rares and mythics and i've spent like i don't know definitely over a thousand dollars on oh, arena let's, maybe let's 2, not 000. talk about let's not talk about how much we spent on arena it's not a pleasant that's another thing you and janelle could probably bond over and try and get me in order about it's a business expense baby what i mean right. unless are you buying like the the foil stuff and the pets no and... I, I stopped doing it. I, I did do that early on but i i stopped when arena I, I realized that was nonsense when arena came out and magic was dope i was all about that i was like yeah. hell yeah give me oh, my, my shiny my nexus my nexus of fate deck was blinged out like yeah. my first simic nexus of fate deck that i like cl the first time i climbed a mythic with it it was a beautiful deck and then i'm like this is dumb and i'm not doing this anymore <laughs> i had to go through that on Magic Online, I may have told this story a couple times where uh, I was playing this Mystical Teachings deck in Standard, and at the time, the only thing on Magic Online that had mana leaks was 8th Edition. Mm. So I had this entire black-bordered deck, except for these ugly, ugly white-bordered yeah, mana that's leaks. A, that's a beating. And uh, I was you know, playing some Magic, hanging out with Neil Reeves, and he looked at my deck and was like, dude, why do you have those ugly-ass white-bordered mana leaks? And I was like, well, it's you know the only set that mana leak is legal in he's just like i ask you the same question why do you have these ugly ass whiteboard mana leaks i'm like what do you want me to do man you want me to cut mana leak he's like no do you just get foils the foils are blackboarded so i was like oh damn that's hella smart right so i buy these foil mana leaks and then i'm like why do i only have four foils in my deck so i started foiling yeah, out you, my deck right you have to yeah so i had like the entire deck foil and then you know that rotates i build a new blue black deck and now i have like some watery graves and like some mana leaks or whatever, but the rest of it's not foil. So I'm like, oh, I guess I got to get it all foil to match, right? And just, there was like this, I don't know, six-year stretch or something where like all my stuff on Moto was foil. And I'm still feeling that to this day where I'm like, oh, I need some <laughs> I need some violent outbursts. And it's like the only ones I have are foil. And I'm just like, damn it. And it's, yeah, it's tough. It's especially bad because the foil economy is garbage. Like the foils are cheaper than regulars, but like, it, it might seem like genius, right? Like, oh, well, if you want to buy a $10 car, just buy the $8 foil one. But then instead of selling it to a bot for nine, you have to sell it to them for like half of what you paid for it. Yeah, so. very strange uh, arbitrage decisions when it comes to the foils. I know I, I also dabbled in Moto foils. For me, it was a point where I was just, I was playing so much Moto and I was I was winning a bunch. I was playing mostly Jund and I, I would just sit there and play Jund leagues in standard all day. Because I, I loved playing the mirrors. I, I thought the deck was great. And I just foiled out the deck top to bottom because I had basically four of every card in standard and didn't know what else to do with my weddings. And I'm just like, okay, time to foil out this deck. And like you said, it creates this thing. I mean, this is what I deal with in paper now where yeah. I'm like, well, 
I have, you know, X amount of these cards in foil. So I may as well get the rest of them. And now everything new I buy, I just buy in foil. So I'm, I'm starting to get out ahead of it a little bit, but then I go to build the deck and I'm like, well, do I fill in this empty backlog of foils? Do I need to get these cards? And now I'm like, updating amulet and i'm like well all these new cards have been added to the mix since the last time i played and i probably need to get them in foil now and it it just never stops yeah and then someone like me is like hey do you have like two breeding pools i can borrow and you're just like yeah they're they're foil and i'm just like well i can't i can't use them then you know because the rest of my stuff's not foil and yeah you build new decks and you run into that same sort of issue and yeah the the obvious answer is we'll just foil everything forehead right and man no Magic, magic is a business plan. I'll, I'll always say that they, they figured it out. They, they did a lot of things really well. Yeah. So now I just turn off, uh, all the styles. That's the mm. good thing, right? Is that they're just card styles. They're not like, oh, I have foil ops and regular ops. Or Wait, whatever. I, I can do that in arena. Like I can stop looking at the styles. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you, you can big game. You can turn off yours. You can't turn off your opponents. But okay, you can, uh, you that's can, enough. You that's can make it so me. your deck is not mismatched. Okay, that's that's been a problem with the mystical archive stuff. Like a lot of that stuff, I just have like weird random duresses and things like that. Yeah, that one's weird. I I haven't figured this out, and I know that this is going to be probably an easy solution, and a lot of people are going to be like, "You're not very smart. Why did you not know this?" But like, I have the Japanese duress, so I try and play with that, and then it uses like it shows up in the deck list as like the Japanese one. Uh-huh. And I, I know that no matter what, when you play, it's like it's like it's in English, right? It's like it doesn't show it to you in Japanese or whatever. Um, but then when I like draw a duress, it's the yellow bordered one, and I don't oh. I don't know why. It's weird. Maybe that's a known issue. Maybe I'm messing up. But it's it's one of those things where it's like I I went out of my way to acquire this thing because I wanted like this artwork. Right? Yeah, I, I was just gonna say you, you you purchased this, right? Like you have to buy these. Uh, I think I bought one of the packs because I'm just like, I thought you were done with the, the blinged out game. Looked up. Um, I mean, I, I am, but you know, like you, you mess up every once in a while. Right. 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 Oh, well, I will say, uh, I just in the mail got my foil Japanese mystical archive, abundant harvest. That that is one of the most beautiful magic cards I've seen in a long time. Like just the, the way the background is with the foiling, it's almost like, uh like the 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 background is almost pure foil like it just shines um and it's amazing looking magic card like there's not many magic cards where i look at it and i'm like ooh, wow what a foiling process or it really stands out to me but the japanese foil abundant harvests are awesome all right i am googling this because i don't i have not held it in my hands you know i don't know yeah until it arrived i was not expecting the effect to be as dramatic as it was it was really nice uh yeah i mean there's mostly just like images of the card it's like Mm -hmm. oh here we go oh yeah this dude this looks nice this does not look like a magic card but it looks really nice no no it doesn't and usually like i i want my blinged out stuff to look like magic cards like that's my uh that's the distinction i look for and that's why i don't like the like metal uh, secret layer stuff even though i really like that general art style um but some something about these they they sing to me and my, and my amulet deck has a bunch of weird foils anyway like a bunch of full art stuff and uh i i think it's a fine fit 
Yeah, you're always getting like the hideous like PTQ promos or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, you know I love those weird foils. Some of the secret layer stuff, it's like you play, the, you cast the Dreadbore, right? And someone's like, is that even a real magic card? Like, did yes. they make something that was in that style? At least the Abundant Harvest is like, yeah, okay, that's like a weird promo, but like I can, I could believe that that's a thing that they would actually do. I can't imagine how difficult if we ever get to do live magic again, and if I ever get to call a live magic tournament again, if somebody wants to make my life a nightmare, yeah, it, it's laughably easy at this point. Like you could just make it so I can't do my job. And I remember a match you and I covered uh, of, of someone who had like all, I don't, I don't know if they were playing Lantern or Affinity or, or what, but it, it was all masterpieces. And it was also a time shifted match. It was like a higher speed. And you and I were just like, we can't call this match anymore. We're done. Because you couldn't <laughs> tell what anything was. It, was. it was completely impossible. Yeah, you just start talking about it from the other person's perspective. Yeah, so it, it, there's certainly a lot of tools to make a broadcaster's life miserable at this point. Okay, so now I'm, I'm on eBay. I'm looking at someone who has uh, an auction up for the Japanese Mystical Archive Time Warp Foil. And... It it just looks so good, man. It's like, you know, there's there's no borders on the cards, right? And the text box isn't like fully opaque over the the art, right? So yeah. it's like you just get to do the consistent foiling on the entire card and it just looks yeah. it looks really nice. Yeah, that's that's the way the abundant harvest felt to me too. Like it's yeah. just consistently foiled throughout. And uh like I said, it, it's rare that a card will strike me with like the foiling process, but those ones stood out for sure yeah no those those are really good and they they don't look like magic cards but you you're they're believable magic cards right mystical archive in in general is such a cool thing and it's so weird to like spend the beginning part just bashing its effect on historic but like as an idea i really like it i think it's really cool and i i also obviously i'm a big fan of like when they do these japanese alternate arts i think that's really awesome as well um and it just is like that's the kind of collectability I, I think I really enjoy. And when, when it's in packs, it's like chase rares. That's that seems a lot more real to me than like, here's a secret layer of nonsense. So the, the collectability stuff is definitely something I embrace in a lot of ways. And even if I think they've jumped the shark with a few things they've done over the past few years, Mystical Archive stands out to me as one that they did really well. It's like six or eight versions of every or not every, but like a lot of the good mh2 cards you know yeah yeah that has been confusing i'm just starting to fill in my mh2 cards now and it's it's so weird like what is like for instance i got my rosa sagas and i'm like well which ones do i get normally i try and get like the most premium version available um just because i think like from an investment standpoint you generally get paid out better on those things yeah with a, I mean, a little bit more upfront costs but in the long run it works if out. you decide that you're gonna get foils definitely get like the text list or like you know full art whatever foil right. one versus the regular because it's going to command a premium in the long term assuming it's like a good card yep that has been my experience but with like urza saga it's just the regular foil and then the sketch foil which doesn't look that good in my opinion I mean, it doesn't really even seem all that different to me, but that's what I ordered because I'm like, what else do I do here? And it, it's strange to me that there's no uh, like extended art version. There's no I, I don't know, whatever other treatments old board. I don't know how you do an old bordered 
saga land yeah right? exactly that's the problem is that it's a saga so it's tough to do those treatments i'm sure they could have come up with something but like right consider regular ragavan versus like the different art one or whatever it's like yeah i don't know if you can really do that with saga they just they just did the sketch one instead and they could do like the the ice cauldron effect right where it's just like a land and it has all the wordy text in the text box that that would be really cool i would like that it's a bad idea but i would like it it would be one of those cards where it's like two thirds of the card, right? It has like the yes. expanded text box. Yes, I would be into it. Ugh. Uh, okay, so what? where does Historic go from here? Or does it matter? Uh, the, the, the first step is like, how good is Is It Phoenix right now? It, it still seems very good to me. I, I'm not saying Brainstorm isn't a loss, but it still fundamentally does the same things. I think after that, you move on to the Rakdos decks. I think Dreadhorde Arcanist is still... An incredibly powerful card in the format uh it also abuses faithless looting very well um look at the combo type stuff uh mystics mastery being powered by like torrential gear hulk there, there was people who they were mistaken but there were people who were playing jeskai control without brainstorm already which what? is wild to me what? absolutely absolutely i promise if you go and look through events there are people doing it i don't think it was correct but you know, some people found success with it. And I, I think the idea of Magma Opus into Mizzix Mastery or Torrential Gear Hulk, that, that still works in some cases. So I think that deck does have a chance. Um, but the starting point for me is probably, is it Phoenix, some type of Rakdos, Dreadhorde Arcanist deck, and then Jun Food. You got to look at that pesky cat oven interaction. And that's my three starting pillars to explore. The floor on Brainstorm is so low. Why would you not play Brainstorm? I I don't have an answer for you. I, I wouldn't have done it. There was no way from the time Brainstorm was printed. And look, this wasn't that uncommon of a position either. Like a lot of people when Brainstorm was first printed were like, one, this card isn't going to be good. And you saw lots of versions of Control that didn't have Brainstorm. As time went on, you would have thought that would have been completely just beaten out of their system. But still, there are people doing it right up to the end for sure. People just like being contrarian, I think. But like also, also if you're like, okay, my deck is built optimally and you have like 100% confidence. And I'm not saying like you think you have 100% confidence, like you know. Say that that is somehow a reality that could be true. At that point, you should still probably be looking at decks that contain Brainstorm and building the best versions of those that like are good and operate with Brainstorm because your deck is kind of fundamentally flawed in a a format where Brainstorm is legal, no? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, if you, if you come to the conclusion that your deck should have Brainstorm, it's like, well, this is probably a bad deck. Yes, that is a very good rule. Anyway, uh, SCG Tour Online is back this weekend. A bunch of standard events. you have anything to share in regards to that stuff? No, I, I mean, like, we, we talked a bunch about our standard exploits with um, the printing of the D&D set and... We're like on to some stuff, but none of it has really broken through in any meaningful way. But in in fairness, there hasn't been a chance for it to break through. And I am curious what people have come up with, if any of the ideas we were into have been pushed a little bit or if people have found some other things to explore. I, I saw like a an artifact based deck that did well in one of the magic online challenges that looked Black, interesting. Black staff. Yep. 
yeah, trying to do the the old anime trick with like Treasure Vault and uh, the one one flyer for for you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, underpowered cards, but a cool idea. And I was, I was happy to see someone trying something new. And I will do my thing where I look at every single satellite and then I write an article over on SCG about all the interesting technology to come out of it. So I am super excited to have the SCG tour back because it's such a good source of information for me. And I always enjoyed writing those articles. I always liked seeing what other people were up to. And this is the first chance really for technology to break out. So short of what we spoke about in previous episodes, I don't really have anything new to offer. If you were asking me to play this tournament blind, I I probably play Sultai. I know it's a disappointing answer, but like the deck just does some things where, especially if people are like not respecting it enough, it's going to run over the first event. Uh, We'll see. I I would expect Sultai to be really strong in the satellites and weaker when it comes to Sunday's main events. I saw that trend a lot when it came to analyzing these events where against these wider fields, these superpowered decks would just overwhelm what everyone else was trying to do uh, until Sunday came. And then, you know, often better players have qualified or at least they've given some real thought to what the metagame looks like. And then tides tend to shift a little bit when you get to the Sunday event. Yeah, that's pretty normal. So you get to play fun police. Yeah. But then when it comes time to actually like playing against people who uh, are first and foremost, like trying to win, then it becomes tougher because like you, you know that they're trying to beat you. Right. And it's it's a tall order. But, you know, people go to extreme lengths to be able to beat Sultai because you kind of have to. So, I mean, you're, you're still Sultai. You still have like a decent chance, but. It's not like you should not let your results from the qualifiers inform your decision for like the main event kind of thing, because it's like your your 65 percent win rate or whatever is not going to translate. Yeah, I mean, you see those swings. I am telling you all the time in these events. It happened over and over on the SCG Tour Online. I probably studied more SCG Tour Online results than any other human on the planet. So so take my word for it. Uh, don't be so sure. Even if you do have like a great Sultai list for the satellite, you need to reconsider come Sunday very carefully. Yeah, I uh, think Corvold is still good. I might just play Mono White, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not playing because whatever. I, I was going to my jaw almost dropped for a second there when you said I might play. I, I thought you were speaking like affirmatively, like you no. might actually. Re- OK, no. So there, there's a modern showcase this weekend and oh, nice. I'm tempted to play in that. Actually, I've played a few of the challenges. Uh, you know, my my sleep schedule is super erratic, as evident by me trying to take a two hour nap and like oversleeping this podcast by three hours. But. Yep. Uh, yeah, you, sl- you slept through our 5 p.m. Uh, recording time today. Listen, I'm like kind of on European time, but I also sleep only like three hours a night. So okay, that, okay. that's a tough schedule. Occasionally, you know, it just it hits me where I'm like, all right, I I need to to bed for a little bit, and I don't know what it like. Normally, I can get up to my alarm, but for whatever reason, recently there have been times where I like set a bunch of alarms and then I just still sleep through them. And now you just like hard sleep through it, don't wake up, or do you get up and turn it off? Uh, so it it's kind of unclear, but in this instance, because it was a work thing and I knew that I needed to be up, I put my phone on the other side of the room. 
<laughs> so you just chucked her phone across the room and that was the end of it. No, I, I put it on the other side of the room so that like if I wanted to turn it off, I would have to physically get up, at which point I would get up. Oh, so the, and then you slept through it at yeah. that point. Yes. Okay. And I just get to the point where like the alarm just, you know, turns itself off or whatever. But yeah, that's that's never happened. I've, I've never had that experience where like an alarm's going off and I just don't acknowledge it, except when I used to like drink a lot. Then, yeah. then I could occasionally do that. But since I since I stopped drinking, it has not been something that has ever happened to me. Yeah, I mean, given given how little I'm sleeping, there are just instances where I'm in such like a deep sleep because yeah. I'm exhausted, you know. Uh, so I, I understand that happening occasionally. But in this instance, I like, you know, rolled over at eight and was just like, oh, shit, because it definitely felt like I slept <laughs> for more than two hours. And it was obviously like, you know, pitch dark out and went to my phone and like the alarm was still going off but it like wasn't making noise it was like it snoozed itself or something Mm, it had enough it's like look this isn't gonna work let's just pack it in yeah if i I keep doing this like your battery's gonna be dead you know like whatever right probably Uh, good good work from yeah you know occasionally that happens uh but you know what are you gonna do uh modern modern is dope dude you you need to play some modern for real I do need to play some modern. Uh, I am I am slowly amassing real modern cards on no, the off chance. No, Modo. Modo only, huh? You have okay. you have a card hoarder's account, man. I do. Thank you, card hoarder. I appreciate that. I could log on at any point and and shuffle up some virtual Magic Online games. Uh, and I want to because you do have a sweet deck right now, and it's. Uh, I don't know. I see you get occasional bursts of credit for it, but I also see a lot of people talking about it and not really mentioning that you put the deck together and uh, that's, that's seemingly fine. have been crushing. Yeah, Whatever. I mean, certainly not the first time that we've experienced this type of thing. But so, so I wrote about it. Uh, this, this is Grix's mid range deck, right? And then Daryl tweeted about it, and he he credited me. You know, mm-hmm. but it's he like. Did. It, it goes to show the ways in which information flows in like current magic day and age, right? Yep, Where it's, it's like different. he has a tweet that gets, I, I don't even remember, you know, it was, like, it was like 50 to 100 retweets or something like that. And he got like a lot of traction on it. And that is where the vast majority of people saw the deck first because like my article was also locked behind a paywall, which it's not anymore. So, you know, if you want to figure out how to actually play the deck, like you can probably read the article. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to me where it's like something gets tweeted. I think it was like four days after my article went up, and now it's just like that is where the vast vast majority of people know it from. Changing content space, you know that we started the podcast talking about it, and here it is looping back again. Things just work differently now. Uh, I did see also Michael Majors recommending your deck on Star City today in the the modern what we play column, saying that his games are comically easy with the deck. And you could see why this is just like a strategy that you have employed so many times and are extremely comfortable playing this type of attrition deck where you're just like run them out of resources, have one trump that'll eventually snowball a late game. And it's a style I also like quite a bit as well. And it also makes sense to me that Daryl would find success with that deck too, because I equate him with that style of play uh, very strongly. There are a handful of people that I think would be able to pick up a deck like this and intuitively understand what they're supposed to do with it. Mm -hmm. And 
that's that's not a slight against anyone else because a lot of us like me majors daryl and like daryl's got a lot of range and like so does majors too but like a lot of us have spent time working on like delver decks and flash and Cobblade and stuff like that like this this is kind of our home right so we just we just understand these sorts of decks and like how to make them work which is generally involving some sort of like sidestepping strategy where everyone thinks that you're doing a but you're actually doing like c you Mm -hmm. know and i think for a lot of people who pick up this deck like you know for context it's like dragon rage's channel or ragavan snapcaster mage a bunch of spells right a lot of people pick up this deck and they're like well i have to kill my opponent with creatures right and it's like no they're just they're just one man of cards i don't even care about them i just don't like for the Rakdos Luris decks, for example, like you might want to Inquisition your opponent on turn one before you play your Dragon Rage Channeler. And in in this deck, I will do that if there's like something that I don't have an answer to, right? Like maybe I'm playing its amulet or something and I want to like mm-hmm. snipe their amulet. But for the most part, it's like, I'm not trying to protect this thing. Like, please spend your mana and your cards on this thing. Cause it's your like time. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm not trying to race. Right? Like, I'm going to beat you with Snapcaster, Kologon's Command, Luris. That's it. That is that is my plan from start to finish. If if Ragavan connects, cool. Like, I get some mana, maybe a card. Uh, eventually, you're going to have to deal with this thing. And, like, that is that is just perfect for me. Because, yeah, you're spending your mana and your resources on doing this. And the reason that that matters is because you play against Rakdos or is it? and... A lot of the time, like, yeah, their bolts are dead until they're not dead anymore. And then they just string like two or three of them together to kill you. And these are cards that like just trade with lightning bolts or like trade with their creatures or whatever. Uh, but that that's like the biggest thing where it's just like the, the creatures don't actually matter. And I think that that was not the case for Delver, but it was certainly the case for Cobblade, right? I think there's also some like green white tokens to be drawn upon yes. as well. No, that too. That too, for sure. Because people would like, Oh, I have to like kill their Nissa, and I'm just like, cool. I'm just gonna Evo Leap, Hanger Back, Walker, Avis in you. You know, it's just yep. everyone was like, oh, I got to board in like my my sweepers, and it's like, yeah, cool, dude. Like, I I don't care. Yeah, it's it's fundamentally misunderstanding the goals of the deck you're playing against or playing with. Uh, and like you said, I, I do think there is a level of unintuitiveness that comes with trading off these stupid creatures but i i get it i see what you're going for and that that end game of just like here is my stupid value creature that will eventually and i i do mean eventually like it'll it'll take some time but it will eventually start a resource snowball that you are not equipped to deal with yeah you know so it's it starts like as nickel and diming right like you you play your luris you get a bobble they kill your luris cool you know you express iteration that's a clean two for one snapcaster mage clean two for one but eventually it just gets to a point where, you know, you have six lands to their four, you have three cards to their zero, and you just find a way to win. Classic magic. Love to see it. Uh, the, this deck is on my to-do list for sure. Um, again, slowly amassing these cards in the theory that, like, I'll play them someday. They'll probably get banned before that. But uh, I, I, I do think Modern's in a very cool place right now. I don't know if it's in, like, a good or healthy place but ultimately it's sort of like the historic thing where that ship has sailed and just like 
do fun, cool stuff right now. And it, it's starting to feel a lot more like legacy to me, which to it me is. is a compliment. Like, I, I think that's a really good place for the format to get to eventually. Yeah, it's legacy, but not busted. And if you want to define format health as there is a strategy for you, like no matter what type of magic yeah. you like yeah. to be playing, you know, modern has it. Those those things do exist. And there are definitely a lot of complaints along the lines of like there are, are too many Lurises, too many Lurus strategies. There are too many MH2 cards. Like the vast majority of decks that are tier one right now are based on like Urza Saga or Dragon mm-hmm. Rage's Channeler or whatever. And I, I get that. I'm sympathetic to that. But at the same time, it's like it's it's still modern. You have answers to everything. And this isn't a format or like a version of modern where there's something that's just like super frustrating where it's just like, well, I can't play Jund because then I play against Tron or Boggles or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. there isn't really that sort of thing. So like, you just get to sign up and play some pretty good games of magic as as long as you're prepared for the other things that people are doing, you know? Like, there there are definitely people dying on like turn two, turn three to like Colossus Hammer or whatever, but like, that's a big part of the format and you should be prepared for that. So Right. Right. I think if you go look at like modern leagues too, it's it's still got that vibe of like anything's possible. Right. And as long as modern can hold on to uh, hold on to that, that is the most important thing for modern to be able to do is just keep that dream alive where you can kind of show up with anything. And you don't have to be able to win a big modern tournament with all these decks, but you have to be able to 5-0 a league. And as long as you keep them in that sweet spot, and then I think modern's doing really well. Yeah, you can still play Jundra Abzan. You can do elemental stuff there's a bunch of different like omnath control decks like mm-hmm. some ephemerate stuff there's a couple different combo decks like I'm, I'm telling you man there's there's something for everyone and the format is pretty fun uh th- obviously there are some things that are like frustrating but it's not it's not as bad as it used to be and maybe once you know i don't know like if if grand prix come back or if they do more big online modern tournaments and people kind of like flock to those it's like i could see the format getting to a place where maybe there is a very clear best thing and like action has to be taken or something but like right now that's not the case do you think there's some kind of lesson to take away from how modern horizons 2 succeeded because it does have these individual outliers which feels sort of problematic but on the whole it achieves something really good and to me, the thing that stands out is how much power it placed in uh, efficient, cheap creatures. Yeah, I was going to say creatures. And yeah. you look at Dragon Race Chandler, Ragavan, Voidwalker, Sanctifier, and Vec. It's like, wow, these cards are really good. And like, I would not have been confident, like, suggesting like that style of card because I'm just like, well, maybe that's just like too generous, right? But mm-hmm having these cards that are like rest in peace kind of hate bears is obviously something that like modern would have wanted for a while. And they both have fairly relevant abilities like Voidwalker has evasion. And then I don't know, occasionally you like Thoughtseize take their Emrakul and then cast their Emrakul. Like, I don't know. That's kind of cool, I guess. Uh, Like Sanctifier has protection from like the two big removal colors, right? It's like these cards are so generous, but then you look at the format and it's like, they're just doing great things for it, honestly. Mm -hmm. And if instead of the format being like, well, I'll kill you with like Deceiver, Splinter Twin or whatever, they're trying to kill you with Dragon Rage's Channeler and Ragavan. It's like, that's net positive for the format as a whole, even if it 
does kind of silo like all the decks into being DRC decks. I agree. I, I also think there is some of that lesson that could be translated to standard. If you want to talk about the sort of sameness of standard right now and how things feel. Uh, we talked about how there's there's different types of end games, but they're all sort of doing the same thing, like almost a mid range soup where you get to Goldspan Dragon or you get to Alvin's Epiphany or you get to Immersion Ultimatum. And it, it's it's always just about building up to this end game. And even like Edgewall Innkeeper, despite the fact that it's a one mana card, it's not a one mana card. Like that's not what its effect is in line with. It's, it's an engine. It's just a, a micro-sized engine. Uh, I, I think more of just like small creature that matters for its impact on the game and not its ability to eventually become something more or not eventually represent you know 10 cards in hand that's the biggest thing that feels like it's missing from standard two right now and i think some of the success of modern horizons 2 could be ported over to standard to make the format feel a little better when i look at standard 2022 it it feels like a lot of the cards are just really interchangeable and it's like well i'm doing green black kind of like sacrifice value stuff or i'm doing green red like kind of attack you maybe play some dragon stuff and it's just like oh you want to cut like this two drop for this two drop like whatever it doesn't matter and it feels like a lot of those decks don't really have identity to me where it's just like oh we are building around you know this card specifically right Instead, it's just like, well, there is a critical mass of like creatures and burn spells. So let's go. Mm. And that kind of makes me a little bit sad. Whereas before, and this is not necessarily like an endorsement of these archetypes, but it's like you had the heartbeat deck and like the solar flare deck, which was like based right. on burial. Like you had all these like build arounds and you feel have, very different. Yeah. And you have that with like Sultai Ultimatum, but that's that's like a bridge too far. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing that kind of like feels like a, a deck to me. And I guess that's not even an S 22, but you know what I mean? Uh, it, same holds true for standard outside of like adventures, meaning you just have to play like some cards that say adventure on them. And like the rest of the cards are interchangeable. So yeah. Yeah. When you have a thing like dragon rages channeler, and then it's like, well, okay, delirium. What do I want to go with that? Okay. Mistress bobble. Can we play Luris? You know, like that feels like a deck to me whereas a lot of the S22 stuff doesn't, and it's kind of sad. Like, you look at the the mono-white aggro decks, right? And it's just like, you know, do you play Alcyid or Selfless Savior or uh, Usher or Monk to go with Grandmaster? It's just like, it doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't. Like, all the cards are, like, fine. You can swap out anything for anything else. It doesn't really matter. And then it's just like, well, this doesn't really feel special to me. Yeah, see, I, I like that interchangeability. I think it's something that they leaned into in like the Ravnica Allegiance era and I, something that they did very well. I think it's but awesome. It, but it's got to come with diversity, like broader diversity in archetypes. And they can't all, despite the fact that all these archetypes are able to make these moves, they're all doing the same thing yeah. in the end. Right. And yeah, it's another part of the problem too, where it's like a lot of mid-range soup kind of stuff. Yep. Or like aggro kind of leaning mid-range, which... You know, was, I, I think I would settle for like Torbrand aggro over uh, Cavalcade of Calamity aggro, right? Yeah. But, but at the same time, it's like, well, all the decks curve like one to four and then you just like Ember cleave them. And it's like, eh, 
Okay. Yeah, the the identity of Cavalcade is it's realer. It it feels more distinct. So that that's a plus. And maybe it's also more easily specifically interactable. Like a lot of interaction is just generically good interaction, especially when you look at like color hosers and things like um mystical dispute where oh my opponent has blue cards so this thing is good or go back to ether gust and oh my opponent has red and green cards so this thing is good and it, it's all very generic interaction as opposed to okay this deck has a clear identity thus it has a clear weakness right and, i side in my disenchant or cry of the carnarium or something and they have a really right. hard time with it and there yeah there's not like Sultai looks like it but there's not a thing that you can do against it that actually does that yes which, it just it overcomes everything it goes too big right which makes everything sort of frustrating and yeah the sideboards now were like one rip apart and a couple draneth magistrates and like one run afoul and it's like these little things that you add in to get small edges but you can only play a small portion of them because it's not good against the entirety of their deck and yeah things like that i kind of i kind of don't like it you know versus like Modern Spirits is something I just thought of where it's like, yeah, you want to board in like Windstorm or Cloud Thresher or mm. whatever. It's like, yeah, you know that they're going to have flyers. It doesn't matter like what kind of game we're playing here, right? Like your, your run afoul is always going to be live, whereas you play against like Mono White Aggro with four Mole of the Skyclaves and you're just like, well, I kind of want to run afoul them, but like I can't board in too many, right? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good distinction. It's an interesting distinction um and hopefully something that will be considered going forward as we try and find ways to be positive and love magic again which i think we did a medium job on this cast we'll see how how the youtube comment section takes this one yeah it didn't didn't uh, get too outraged but we also left out a thing that i think that you know we had in our back pockets is like a thing to talk about uh, yeah which is maybe like we'll, maybe we'll save that for when we need more outrage and and more anger yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I guess we just kind of like cliffhanger them where, where it's a cliffhanger that may or may not ever be revisited. We'll see. It's got it's got a different name in radio. What do you call that when it's like uh, it's like a zinger or something? I don't know. No, man. Now I can't even complete the the analogy I'm trying to make it. This has this gone completely off the rails and this podcast before it gets worse. Game. Good luck.